the, um, by the way, Happy New Year. Thank you for coming out in this, uh, whatever this is, I guess it's, I guess weather would catch it, wouldn't it? Uh, and be a neutral term so that you can't go away and say the, the pastor cussed the weather. Um, I didn't. I just said thank you for coming out. I do have, I do have a picture from Scripture, and that is you reap what you sow, and the little bit of extra effort mentally and physically, whatever it costs you to get here, the Lord's going to pay you for that. You will not outgive the Lord. So just open your heart and get ready because God does that. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch that. I, I have watched that so many times through the years, and it's, that's the way it is. We are, we are going to be talking in the, for the next several weeks about our purpose, and we have entitled this, Do Something. Do Something. And I want you to get ready for the Lord to take you up a level. Now, there's some things that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this and one of them, as, as I back my ears and wade into this, some of you who have heard from God and you know what the will of God is are going to throw that all up in the air and try to start over. And that is a punishment that even you don't deserve. And you know what you deserve, but you don't deserve that. Uh, it's, it's a fun thing. To be open-hearted to the Lord like that, I appreciate that. Uh, but if God has already spoken to you, don't back out of what he has said. Try to get encouragement to make it better, simpler, uh, more focused, whatever. But hear me. Hear me carefully. And I think the illustration for what I'm talking about came out last Sunday when... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Niferatus were here, and he was in medical school and she was in dental school when they got married, and the Lord called him to the ministry after two and a half years in medical school. And so he quit school and started preaching. His wife did not quit dental school. And completed that, and that because that is the will of God for her. And I, if you put that, that first slide up again, I'd, I want to show you something that is in this particular uh, slide. You see this part right here? That's Africa. This is Asia. Europe's up there. Uh, Southeast Asia over here, and down, clear down to Australia. Uh, repeat that over here. The the African continent, Australia, and so forth. Um, just leave that up there, please. That, um, that globe, part of a globe that you can see, is, is important to this message because God will take you, and if he wants to do something with you, he, he can take you around the world. And it does not strain him. 
Now, most of us will be unlike Dean Nifaratus, who, who resigned from that particular career track and took another career track in the will of God. Most of us will be like Mrs. Nifaratus, whom the Lord called in school. She was already in the right spot. You see, you can be in the right spot and not even love the Lord because he is far larger than you think. And so as we go through this series, I want you to keep in mind that I'm not talking about you just resigning whatever and going wherever. I'm talking about God speaking to you. And if he has spoken to you, keep saying that to yourself. He spoke to me. He spoke to me. Because if you're surrendered to God, here is, here is the key to this whole series. The will of God is not a location. It is not, get this carefully, it is not a career path. You're listening, I can tell. The will of God is a heart thing where you're crying, not my will, but yours, and then following it out. So that if a person who is like that, if they're in the wrong career, no big deal for the Holy Spirit to just move them. They would have to stop saying, thy will be done, and trying to walk that out. They would have to stop that and say, no, to what God is saying, to miss God's will on a career path. Or a geographic location. Did you get that? We, we, I, I don't think we have it as much as we used to. But we used to have this kind of spooky thing about the will of God. And we would, we would preach to, to our teens and young adults. And we would say, you got to work for God. And absolutely that is true. But there was, there was an implication that the most important thing was to be a clergy person. And if God's called you to be a clergy, clergy person, that is the most important thing. But if it's not what he's called you to be, it would be awful. Did, did you get that? So what I want from you is a heart that just melts down before God and says, God, I want what you want. If he's already shown you that, do not do this prayer. Just keep the attitude of submission to God, and he will take you forward where he has already established you. Now, that's sermon number one, and that's probably the best one you're going to get in the whole series. However, there will be several more. I want to talk to you this morning about the plan. And the plan is... Five P's. We're going to look at preparation, purpose, pain, power, and passion. I want you to see the story in John chapters 13 and 14. It's the night before Jesus is, is crucified. He has his last meal with his disciples before that event. He teaches what we call communion. He washed their feet. He identified Judas as his betrayer. Um, he pulled the cover back from Peter and showed what was in his heart before it became obvious to everyone. 
And then he said something that is very powerful about you and me. Now, this is Jesus, creator of the universe, the greatest religious and moral leader in the history of the world. He performed miracles that uh, hard to match. But he said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And, of course, that's the power of prayer because that's what he does in the presence of the Father. Pray for us. So with his prayers, if we, if we release ourselves into him, we, we will do greater things than what he does. Now, we need to just get really serious about what God wants us to do and how he wants us to get it done and so forth, and we will deal with that in the next few weeks. Today, we're going to just do an overview of the five P's, and the first P is prepare. You need to prepare your heart for God's perspective on your life. That's what the first little sermon before the sermon was saying, if your heart is humbled, if it is prepared, if to the best of your ability you have set aside your personal agenda and, and sought his, said another way, if you have sought to put to death your ego and sought the will of God, then that's what, that, that's what we do here on this preparation. We, we acknowledge in our preparation the resistance, the pushback that our sinful nature will give when it presented with God's plan. One of the reasons that we resist God's plan is in our own strength, we can't do it. Can't. C-A-N-T. Let's look at the C. We lack the confidence that God's plan is really the best thing for us. Confidence. Say confidence. It is difficult to have confidence in a God we've not seen when we base our thinking on things that are tangible. If you've never trusted God when without him everything is going to fall off the edge, implode, whatever a crisis might happen, and you followed him and he gave victory instead of this catastrophe that should have happened then you begin to get confidence. But if you haven't had that experience, we do not have enough confidence to just trust him. Uh, the second letter of Kent is, A, we resist accountability in our lives. We want to do our own thing. It's none of your business. Now, that's not as much true in the, in the more recent generation than it was in my generation. But it was, it, we were taught, um, you don't ask people about their financial affairs, none of your business. I remember my dad telling me that. And it was a pretty good plan for most of whatever. Nowadays, we, we send each other messages by various electronic means saying, well, I was really tired when I got up this morning. And uh, then we, we say, but I'm on my way to church. And 
and we go on like that, and that's okay if you want to do that. To me, it's like, who cares? But don't, don't tell anybody I said that, okay? Um, I, I don't expect that you think that what I think en route to church on Sunday morning, uh, somewhere between uh, 7.30 and 8 o'clock, is, is noteworthy. If you do think it's noteworthy, why? No, <laughs> you, you be true to yourself as long as Jesus Christ is first. Now, we need accountability. Accountability. Say accountability. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, Proverbs 27, 17 says. Now, here is, if, if this business of you giving your, your regular thoughts to each other, if, if it has any value, I think at this point the value just peaks. We are less likely to deny God. We are less likely to resist him. If we have let people know what he has said in our heart and let them know where we are at any given moment, the accountability can be invaluable. Take the practice of of bearing your momentary thoughts to each other. Take that to the level of accountability for good things. Let me me illustrate it like this. When I, through the years, have gone into a new group, um, a new place, whatever, I like to let people know that I'm a Christian, first of all, and if I think that's a little weak, I let them know that I'm a clergyman because just that knowledge is going to hold me accountable in case I wanted to spout my mouth off about something or do something else stupid. Did you follow that? Accountability. We got to have it. We are not made to operate in the kingdom of God without accountability. The greatest accountability is in your prayer closet where the Holy Spirit knows who you are, what you're doing, and why you're doing it. And he loves you, and he will wash away every sin. But let God be your first accountability. But we need each other in addition to what the Holy Spirit will do. Number three, we are blind to the fact that God is nurturing us every step of the way. You just let that statement soak in on you. Try to believe that everything that happens to you, some of it's good, some of it is just a, looks like a waste of time. Some of it's awful. Everything will be turned to nurturing you into the effective, powerful child of God that is the will of God for you. But that takes a little more faith, you know. Philippians 1.6 tells us that God has promised to work on us until the day of Jesus Christ. He will continue the work he has begun, Philippians 1.6. And really, all too often, we either forget, do not realize how all things work together for good. All things work together for good if we love God. Now, it's not automatic if you're mad at God. Shake your fist at God and say, everything that happens to me is going to work together for good. It's not. You've got to be called according to his purpose, and you've got to love God. There there are two qualifications, and it, like all promises, this promise does not work unless you're keeping those qualifications. So if you are mad at God about something, go to him 
and lay it all out there and say, God, I don't know how to forgive you or someone else. I don't know what to do. Will you please come and help me? I want to be forgiving. I want to be submissive to you. He will make it work. Several of us believe that. I practice that all the time. I go in to my prayer closet and I say, Lord, forgive me. As I forgive those who forgive, you know, and I, I look for sins that I've committed and, and I take them to the Lord and, and say, oh man, I hate that God. I'm so sorry I did that. Sometimes it's not anything. You didn't, you don't believe that. Do you? Anyway, uh, <laughs> then I go and I say, Lord, I forgive X and Y and Z. And very often, you've heard me say this before, and I'll probably say it again, it is just true. Very often when I say that, I say, then I say, now God, I, you know that's not true. I'm not doing that forgiving. I want to. I'm available. But I don't like it. Now you need to come work in my heart. You know what he does? He comes works in my heart. He has to. Or I couldn't be forgiven, you see, because if I don't forgive... Stay with me. If I don't forgive others, he doesn't forgive me. No sin's going to go to heaven. I get to stay here. When you go to heaven, that's not going to happen. I can't go to hell. It's not going to happen. It's too awful. Jesus paid too much for me to be in heaven. I will be there. But I will be there because of the work of God in my heart. Not because I'm wonderful or strong or self-disciplined or you know, the firstborn in the home or concrete personality. Those things can all be a hindrance, but the Lord can even redeem that and make all things work together for good if we submit to him. This is good, folks. This will get you to heaven. Nurturing. Repeat that in your mind, nurturing. Because I want you to say this next one. We don't trust that he is with us through thick and thin. Trust. Say trust. Trust is that deal that makes work what I just preached. I can get up from my uh, place at prayer with the Lord without this, this huge embracing emotion of loving what somebody did to me and I'm just forgiving them with great joy. I don't have it yet. But I am clear before God because my will has been submitted to him. And I say, if, if it's really a struggle, I say, God, I'm not doing this yet. But I will. I choose to do your will. Please come and make it work. That's good. That's good practice, folks. That will work for you. He is trying to get you in, not keep you out of heaven. His arms are very, very long not to smash you. But to draw you into eternal life. He wants you in eternal life now and eternally. And you're a lot of trouble. I just want you to know that. And you know what? That doesn't impress the Holy Spirit at all. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. So your recalcitrance, if you're new to this congregation, that's one of our Good words here, recalcitrance, uh, stubborn rebellion, stubborn refusal to do what's right. Recalcitrance is just, I'm not going to do what you say. I don't care if it's right, I'm going to do my own. That's, that's kind of a 
recalcitrant attitude. In spite of your recalcitrance, and you know how recalcitrant you are, in spite of that, the Holy Spirit just says, give me a little more time, Father. We'll just work this out. And he'll set up something where his way looks better than your way. It can be with a spanking or it can be with this overflowing gift. You know, the patience, the mercy, the kindness that the Lord brings to repentance. And also trouble can bring us to repentance. I, I, I grew up where we were in a very, very generous home. And it was very, very strict. We got all kinds of gifts given. No occasion was necessary to get a big gift. But you, you better do what mom and dad said or they'd hurt your body, especially dad. Mom lost that ability when I got to be about five, but dad never seemed to have lost that ability. I wouldn't want to jump on him now because he'd hurt me before I could hurt him. And he's 95, and I'm not that weak, but he's just mean. I mean, he's just strong. And um, it, is, it is a wonderful thing to know that God will do whatever is necessary to get you in. And if, he's just, if, he, if love is what you need and, and nurturing in, this, in the wonderful uh, holding, healing sense, he'll do that. If, if you need your what's it kicked, he has a swift kicker. At the end of his leg. And he's intending to get you in. You see. It is all about redemption. All about redemption. So. Let's look at this. As if this uh, business is taking a trip in a car. When you take a trip, you need a plan. You need to know where you're going. Um, And then you need to know the route you're going to take. Uh, You need to cover unexpected things. All of these things, God will work in us. Let's talk about the plan and go back to our text. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, the five Ps. The five Ps. Everyone say, the five Ps. The first P is prepared. Say prepared. Prepared is what we need to get ready for a trip. Um, Here is what God has done. You put the map, the spare tire, possibly first aid kit, maybe some extra water. If If it's really, really cold like it is outside, put in a couple blankets. Keep your gas tank on the full side Um, That's preparation for a trip. God has prepared you to do something great. He has already prepared. He has gone ahead of you. He has prepared for you good works before he made the world. He did that. Can you believe that? You don't believe that, do you? You don't think that God had you in mind and had a plan laid out for you before he created the universe. You don't believe that, do you? You have, a, you have a faith problem. You're a stinking unbeliever. Uh, that's perhaps the worst sin there is, is unbelief. Because this makes God a liar. <laughs> a 
Let's go on. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So it's not our own timing. It is not our own power. It is God who has prepared us and prepared good works for us. So you see, what he's trying to do is bring together this that he's prepared over here and this that is called you. He's trying to bring those together. And that's what we're talking about in this series. You are prepared. Uh, Jesus was prepared for by the Father. And, and the plan came out okay. You can trust his plan. Number two, P, is a, there's a simple purpose behind everything you do. Purpose. Say purpose. There is a reason. This is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. It just so happened that this morning I was in the 16th chapter of John as part of my devotional, and here is this thing. If we do his commands, then we're loved by the Father. All this stuff will work, and I, I don't need more scriptures, and I don't need to put more in this sermon because they get too long anyway, but thank you for not saying Amen. But the fact is, we, first of all, just need to start out by just trying to do what he says. And if you find that difficult, ask for his help. Be transparent with him. You take a trip. You know that the basic rule is follow the directions. Now, that sometimes seems to be gender-specific, and the rest of you will get that in a minute. But the p- basic purpose of our life is to follow God's direction. So, the greatest commandment is to love God with our heart, mind, soul. So, your purpose is to love. And in, within uh, the next couple of weeks, probably two weeks from today, we will answer the million-dollar question, how do we love God? We'll get there. The third P of, of five is pain. Aren't you glad pain is in here? Everyone say pain. Pain stinks. I've tried it, tried life with pain. I've tried life without pain. Sign me up for the latter, okay? Except pain happens. It's kind of like life happens. And into every life will come pain. Uh, part of it is described in James 4, the first three verses, which says uh, we hurt when we don't get what we want. And we knew that already. Uh, this, the world's smallest package, the, the most difficult person to get along with is the guy that is the center of the universe. Uh, Eunice and I last night were watching uh, a little clip about Elvis Presley and his gospel music background. And... Um, you look at this, at this handsome, baby-faced, tall guy um, with, with an incredible showmanship ability and how his life ended up, and you just ache. And, and I think one of us said, if he could have just not gone the way he went. Because it just stinks. And, and 
you become king of rock and roll unless somebody dies after you and then they're the king of pop. But um, you see, he, he, he amassed a fortune that would just boggle the mind and, and no doubt they're still making money as of last night, making money with Elvis Presley. But the problem is he was miserable. He was in trouble on the inside. You don't have to do drugs. You don't have to do the worst chemical of all, which is alcohol. If you're happy on the inside, why do you need to get drunk? What? Now, some of you probably get a little buzz with some alcohol. The rest of you just kind of get drowsy, and that's really exciting. And this, this guy made enough money to buy his end of the world almost. And yet he died way before he should have with way too much pain in his life because he let them convince him that he was the center. And we are not the center. Jesus is the center. And we get to be united with him, but that doesn't make us the center. Get it in your mind, young person, old person, middle person. Do not be afraid to have the pain of putting yourself aside. Your will, your plan. I have to have that. Just get over it. Jesus was, was a man of sorrows. And we will experience pain and disappointment. And if we will embrace that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, don't let this pain stop until you have formed in me why we got this pain in the first place. The purpose to be accomplished. Now that takes some faith. But you know what? If you ask the Lord for faith, he will strengthen you in that. And I'm always impressed with what God has done in my heart when I get to the place and I'm in this prayer, in my prayer closet, and I'm saying, oh, God, I forgive so-and-so because of this and this. And then I hear myself saying, Lord, don't let them change until you've gotten in me what you want. I don't pray that every morning. But sometimes I do. And I'm impressed because it's when the faith rises and it says the pain is not a big deal. It is the will of God that's the big deal. And the will of God is that Jesus Christ be formed in me. And when he gets through with me, I look a whole lot like the older brother. And if you're like I am, there's not that much similarity yet. But don't be impressed with that. The Holy Spirit is not worn out. He's not tired. He's going to just bring you along and, and make you look like our older brother, the, first, the firstborn in this family of many, many siblings. Now, let's go to power. The fourth P is power. Say power. power. Ah. Um, God has provided power to do something. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that through God's power, he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or even imagine 
in our trip, we have to have the power of the engine to, to move the car, for us to go down the road, for us to obtain a, a goal in this journey. Power is the ability. Uh, the Greek word is uh, dunamis that is used here. There is another, another Greek word that is often used for the Lord's work, and that is the one that means authority. Uh, like an ambassador in a foreign nation has the authority of the home country behind them. This, this other is, this is ability to get the job done. Now, the word dynamite comes from that, but it, there wasn't dynamite when this Greek word was used, and so it didn't mean dynamite. It means the ability. If you need dynamite, if it's a rock that has to be moved, and that's the only way to move it, this power is dynamite. But if it's the healing of a broken heart, you really don't need a stick of dynamite, okay? They've already had that. What they need is the skilled hands of a physician. And that's the power that God will flow through you. He is marvelous. He is marvelous. Power to do something. Authority, ability, and also the opportunity to act. So, we have to have spiritual power. We will not get done what God wants us to get done without it. The final P is for passion. Say passion. Passion is that which, when we start to do it, will constantly scream, don't quit. Don't quit. Luke 9.62 tells us, once we put our hands to the plow and begin working on something, if we look back, start thinking about quitting, we're not even worthy of the kingdom of God. Passion is a commitment to not quit until you have completed God's assignment for your life. Now, you heard me a minute ago be pretty passionate about going to heaven instead of hell. Pretty passionate about that. Whatever it costs to go to heaven, whatever it costs to avoid hell, sign me up. I don't want to go to hell. That's called the fear of God, folks. And that's, that's not an advanced something. That's the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You start there, but you never lose that fear that God, if you resist him and stay in your recalcitrance, that you won't go to heaven. You will go to hell. That's a real deal. We know that. We believe that. So there, there is a picture of passion and what we need now is get to get beyond the passion to avoid hell, okay? Because that would be what some of our critics have said, well, your religion is just a fire escape. You just don't want to go to hell. Well, hallelujah, you better believe it is that. It is far more, but it is a fire escape. I'm not going to hell because I'm going to keep focused on the Lord, and he is going to bring forth his plan. You see, he has a plan. God has a plan. It's the five P's. It's preparation, purpose, pain, power, and passion. And if we're going to do something and live up to what Jesus says we can do, we're going to have to put our faith in God's plan. First of all, we need to keep in mind the five P's. And if you didn't get those, I'll be glad to give them to you later. 
But here is what I want to say to you at this moment. At some point in your life, you're going to have to say, God, I acknowledge your plan for my life and I submit to it. And then you need to acknowledge it and submit to his will, his plan. His agenda needs to be your agenda. If you haven't done that yet, let's make today the day. Scrap your plans, adopt God's plan for your life, and surrender to him. And before we go any further, let me, let me just get you to bow your heads. And if you need to do that, just raise your hand up. You don't need to say anything at this time. We're going to have a prayer in just a minute, but um, I don't want to miss you. Even on a day like today, people...